show is presented in part by Bridgestone. We're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. This is Popular Technology Radio, your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Now, here's your host. Hey, welcome everyone to this edition of Popular Technology Radio. I'm Mike Etchard. I hope you're having a great day, a good weekend. I certainly am so far. And today we are going to talk televisions. Yes, it's that time again. We, we often throughout the year kind of talk about TVs because that is certainly a technology that I'm interested in. I'm still in the market for another TV. I've been just kind of slacking, quite frankly. So I do need to go out and get another TV. And uh, the Wirecutter updated their list. So we're going to talk to my friend Jeff Morrison later on in the show from the Wirecutter about their picks and kind of what goes into all that and what to look for when you're out there buying a TV. But, you know, I was thinking as I was actually going through some files here in my throwing away files, and I have a file for like electronic stuff that I bought over the years, and I was looking at. Uh, the the TV that I bought back is either 99 or 2000. And, you know, to show you kind of how far we have come in televisions back in those days, uh, I bought uh, what was at the time the top of the line TV, a Sony Vega television or Vega, W-E-G-A. I, most people pronounce it Vega that I know, but could be Vega. Anyway, that was kind of the top of the line TV. And back in that time, around 1999, 2000, I spent about $1,300 for a 32-inch Sony television. This was still standard def, of course. This was a flat front screen. It was not a flat panel, but it had the front screen was flat. It was still a CRT television, a cathode ray tube. Um, and it was about, like I said, $1,300 or so at the time. And it was a beautiful TV set, absolutely gorgeous for standard def. It looked wonderful, and it sounded great. Sony at the time, they were the top-of-the-line TV maker, and they sounded good. And they had the room to put in great speakers. And it was a fantastic TV. Um, it was enormously large. I got a 32-inch set because it, uh, a 36-inch, which was the, the biggest size that that one came in, would not fit in my TV cabinet. Uh, so I got a 32, but if you'll recall, depending on how old you are, those televisions were super, super deep. And so the day I brought it home, I put it in the back of my SUV. I had them loaded up there. When I got to my house, I had my dad come over and help me. So two relatively strong, grown guys struggling to get this monster TV into my house. I had to get my saws all out and cut out the back of my TV cabinet so the, the depth of that Sony TV would fit in the back, which is kind of a modification lots of people had to do. And I got the thing in. It weighed a ton. Uh... But it looked great. It looked fantastic. And that TV lasted me for about nine or ten years, I think. I'm trying, I don't even really remember when I had to get rid of it. But one day it did kind of give up the ghost finally. And I, and I had to muscle that thing out by myself. There was nobody around that day. And I loaded it in the back of my, my station wagon, took it down to the e-waste place, and they need. They used a forklift to take it out of the back of my my vehicle, and he asked me if I if he wanted to if I wanted it weighed. I'm like, hey, I'm curious how heavy it is because I muscled it in, and they they used the forklift, pulled it out, put it on the scale, and the damn thing weighed 180 pounds. TVs were enormous in those days. Uh, and the other thing that I noticed the next kind of couple of months after I got rid of that TV is my electric bill went down about. $30. So those TVs, they were expensive. 
they were heavy, they were large, they were deep, uh, and but they look good on standard def. Around the same time I was buying that TV, you actually uh, plasmas were being introduced. Uh, and you've probably heard me talk about this on the show. I remember going to CES around 96, 97 uh, in Vegas and seeing those first plasma sets. They were awesome. They looked awesome in the sense that they were flat, true flat panels. They were 40 inches. But at the time, they were $15,000 when they introduced. They did not look that good. But that's what they cost, fifteen grand in like $1997. That's about the equivalent of about $23,000 today. So that's how much those sets cost. They were, those plasma sets were fairly heavy as well, but they hung on a wall. And that was so sexy and so seductive. And everybody wanted one, but they were just so, so pricey. We are now to a place where the TVs we're going to talk about today are, in most cases, less than $1,000, quite a bit less, sometimes around $500. And they're light, maybe 20 pounds. They are unbelievably um, energy efficient. They use a fraction of the electricity that other TVs used to do. So we are completely spoiled these days by the technology and the manufacturing efficiencies that exist in the world of televisions. It is a great time to be a consumer. The TVs are unbelievably great looking. We'll talk a little bit about the things to look for when you're buying technology. So stick around. We've got Jeff Morrison coming back. We are talking TVs today on Pop Tech Radio. Glad you're joining us. So stick around because we are coming right back. Cancer is the number one cause of death by disease for children in the U.S. today. Since the Austin Hatcher Foundation's birth in 2006, it has grown to provide unique programs to help the children and the families affected by pediatric cancer. Support begins at the time of diagnosis and continues throughout survivorship at no cost to families. Lives touched by the foundation continue to rise each day. But we need your help. Donate, volunteer, or partner with the Austin Hatcher Foundation. Learn how you can get involved. Visit HatcherFoundation.org for more information. It is Pop Tech Radio. Mike Etchard here with my good friend Jeffrey Morris. And he, of course, is a writer for The Wirecutter, for CNET, for The New York Times. And darn it, he is just an expert on televisions. Jeff, how are you feeling TV-wise this morning? Are you happy with the industry, the way things are in TV land? Uh, oh, always, Mike, always. <laughs> Spoken with the utmost sincerity, and I do appreciate that. <laughs> but since the Wirecutter just updated their TV recommendations, basically, and you know, before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of the models, um, let's talk a little bit about just the technology. What are the things, if you're out of the marketplace looking for a television, what do you want to make sure that is included in your TV, whichever TV you choose? Well, the latest technology, um, although it's a couple of years old now. The latest technology is HDR, which is, stands for High Dynamic Range. And uh, when you watch specific HDR content, you get a brighter picture with more details in the highlights. Uh, you have a greater range between the dark parts of the image and the bright parts of the image. So the, the image just kind of seems more realistic and really just pops more. 
Now, HDR, was it two years ago? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm losing track of time. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we go to CES, it's like, okay, when did they introduce it? When is HDR? Let's say it was three years ago. Sure. You know, these things tend to roll out in the higher models. In terms of the technology of HDR, is that a tremendous cost to the manufacturer? Yes. I mean, generally, it, because you, you not only need a television that's significantly brighter. Well, actually, let me back up. So you could add air quotes on the radio, HDR to most TVs and just say you have it and that the television can read the HDR data and then the TV can claim that it's HDR. But it doesn't actually display anything that's actually HDR. That's something that people need to, to kind of double check when they're shopping for televisions is that just because a TV says that it's HDR doesn't mean that it actually looks any different from a non-HDR TV. They don't have to spend a lot of money for that, but because like even mid-range TVs now have actual HDR. But in, in so when I say actual HDR, it means that it not only can read this additional data on certain content, but it can also show that additional data from that certain content so that it is brighter. It has, generally speaking, it also has a wider range of colors and so forth. So you don't have to spend a ton of money to get that, but you do have to make sure that the TV can actually perform. Well, and you bring up something very interesting, which is the content side of things. Before we got on the air, we were yapping about the last season, the last show of Game of Thrones. So all content is not created equal. Does content have to be specifically mastered or whatever it is with HDR content? Yeah, you know, there was an interesting study that came out a week or two ago that found that I think it was around 50% of the people who have a 4K television have never actually seen 4K on it. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and there are similar studies done when, H, when HD was the thing, you know, let's say 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that's a, like, it kind of recalibrates the, the mind of a, of a person who writes about televisions. It's like, all right, well, I'm talking about this new technology, but I need to back up and actually talk about, like, whoa, well, let's, let's talk about how you can actually get 4K. Right. So, uh, and that you actually need content to actually see what's going on. So, it's, so HDR is kind of the same thing, where just because you have an HDR TV doesn't mean that you're actually getting anything HDR. In fact, you're, you're not, unless you watch HDR content. And, and thankfully, there's, there's a lot of it. I mean, you know, Netflix has HDR content. Most of the streaming services have, have HDR content. Um, you can get it on on the 4K Blu-ray discs uh, if you have a 4K Blu-ray player, which I'm guessing, judging from the sales numbers, no one listening actually does. But you could. And, and so the, there is a large amount of content. But if you just kind of turn on your cable box and you're watching C-SPAN, you're, you're not getting HDR. You're, you're not getting 4K either, probably. But they need to kind of seek out that specific HDR content. But if you're watching any sort of popular programming these days, it probably is HDR. Probably HDR, not necessarily 4K, though. So it is a symbiotic dance between what you have in terms of your display in your house and what is coming down the pike, right? Yeah, you need to match it. And that is an interesting aspect that HDR is not resolution dependent. So generally, if it's HDR, it is also 4K. But Netflix talks about how if your internet signal kind of slows down or the bandwidth used or like eight people are watching if the resolution drops and so you're only getting 1080p hd you might still also get hdr those are kind of independent things which is all right which is Hold that. we have to take a quick break we're talking with jeff morrison from the wire cutter talking tvs we are coming right back
Brembo has been stopping champions on the track as well as drivers like you and me on the street for over 50 years. Whether it's UV-coated brake discs, low-dust premium ceramic brake pads, or high-temperature brake fluid, BremboStoreUSA.com is the place to go to buy genuine Brembo OE-equivalent replacement brake components. Go to BremboStoreUSA.com to help you achieve that 60-0 braking performance you deserve and expect from Brembo. Brembo, the choice of champions and consumers for over 50 years. And we are back. It's Pop Tech Radio. Mike Etchart here with my good friend Jeffrey Morrison. He, of course, a writer for the New York Times, CNET, and the Wirecutter. I'm going backwards on the list this time. Uh, we're talking TVs today. We are talking what to look for when you're buying a set. And we were just talking about HDR and, and the delicate dance between content and hardware. They watch each other, don't they, Jeff? <laughs> you, kind of suspiciously and warily, perhaps. Because they have different goals and different different needs and different wants and different marketing things, but ultimately they need each other. And this has kind of always been the whole thing in the CE world, consumer electronics and content creators, each one trying to catch up with the other and wondering what the hell the other one was thinking. Yeah. And it's also the most common thing that's misunderstood when people are uh, either trying to set up a television or shortly after they've bought it, that they need to have something different for their TV to work. You know, it's like, okay, well, I just bought this shiny new television, my first new TV in 10 years. I need something else. And and yes, uh, you, you do. I mean, there's not, you know, if you have a cable box, maybe it will send out 4K, maybe, probably not. But if you've been watching something on Roku and it's a fairly new Roku, that probably will automatically change to a higher resolution. But like with Netflix, you have to have the, the highest tier to get 4K. Um, generally, if it's something like Voodoo, you have to pay extra, you know, above and beyond the 1080p cost as a 4K tier. You have to pay maybe a couple dollars more for a movie that you buy or rent um, to get 4K. And, you know, like we were talking about in the last segment, that there's not people aren't doing that or they don't know that they're doing that or maybe they don't care. Um, so to get the best out of the television, any modern television, you need to have the best content to go with it and it just takes that extra step to make sure that the source you have can actually do 4k and hdr um the cables like generally speaking most hdmi cables will work um but if you have some really old hdmi cables maybe they can't handle that extra data um if you have an older receiver and you're running everything through the receiver or a soundbar maybe that receiver is kind of that's the bottleneck or that soundbar is the bottleneck so that you're only getting 1080p from your source to your television. So there's all these steps. And, you know, I've written about all of these things. But if people don't know to look, then, well, they don't know. <laughs> they don't know. They now do. they do. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's funny. I, I think back in my in, to, to start the show, I was talking kind of do, doing a little a little way back stuff, you know, looking back on what it used to be. And I remember, you know, when the first. HD TVs came out and HD was available, but you would often go to, let's say, a bar or a restaurant and they had, you know, a 16 by 9 aspect ratio high def TV, but they wanted to save a little bit of money. And so they were running, you know, standard def content through it. Oh, yeah. And it, you know, and it, everybody was squashed. And, and, and I, the first thing I would look at it and I go, oh my God, this is driving me nuts. Yeah. But, Almost nobody notices that. And that to me was so obvious, but yeah. people didn't notice. And 
you know, we kind of talk about all of this stuff and the reality is, and I don't know what the percentage is, but like my wife never notices stuff like that. Um, nobody really in my family does except me. It drives me insane. But whether it's sound or whether it's the quality of the picture, I'm just always shocked at how people don't notice. I mean, that we could do a whole show just on yes, we could. people not noticing things. And, and not, not in a, like, I say that not entirely in a judgmental sense of, of uh, televisions, but even just in general, like obviously we, we've talked about this on the show before, but I, I spent about half the year traveling and there's so many things that I see of people, you know, doing some seemingly bizarre things and just not realizing it. And I'm sure everybody has things that they do notice and the things that they don't notice. Um, and especially if they just don't care, which I mean, that's a whole other thing. So yeah, it's to talk about the, the, the bars, a lot of that, was lack of foresight during the setup as well, or or maybe the bar is so these, old. These are the because, black bars you're talking about on the, on on television, or, or, or bars where you go, actually. Yes, the bars, yeah. the actual drinking oh, places, yeah, taverns. Yes, the, yes, um, the pubs, if you will. Yeah. And um, like you were saying, that they they have standard definition on their HD or 4K TVs, um, and then they stretch them out. And so probably what it is is that the setup for those tended to have a uh, a standard definition connection. It was a very simple way to run very long distances um, by having this standard def connection between the source, the splitter that split that one source signal into 20 TVs or however many that bar has, and then that runs. So then when they upgrade the televisions for something brighter, newer, and bigger, they are only getting the standard definition and they can't get HD on these TVs because they would have to run all new cables and an all new switcher and an all new source. And so the cost all of a sudden gets significantly higher than even just getting new TVs. So the way that I think a lot of places would get around it, like, oh, well, you know, we paid for these rectangle TVs, I'm not going to show a square image on them. I'll just stretch it so that it fills the screen, either by design or by like, well, it looks fine to me or whatever. Um, so it was it was a compounding problem of, well, well, then you need this. Oh, and then you need this. And obviously, any restaurant is a tough business. So, you know, <laughs> that's right. It's low on their priority list. And right. to be fair, I don't you don't see that very often anymore. You know, most most much less than we used to, yeah. Much, but that was always, to me, such an obvious thing technology-wise. I would just go, oh, my God, this looks dreadful. It looks absolutely horrible. You know, it looks like they're four feet tall and four feet wide. And, yeah. you know, football games, everything, it was, just, it was absolutely awful. But, again, I would guarantee that – and I would mention it to somebody. That, it's like, hey, you know, don't you guys have high-def content? And they would look at the TV like, you know, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, yeah. And the worst case would be that if they did have everything set up correctly, but they just chose the standard definitions channel on whatever their yeah. cable box was, and it's like, oh, you have all of this, and you're not, you, you don't even and trying to get the right thing. That's right, exactly. All right, we got to take a quick break. We're talking with Jeff Morrison from the Wirecutter about TVs, and we are coming right back. It's Dodge Performance Days, where that new car smell gets replaced by the scent of burned rubber. With Dodge Charger and its available best-in-class 485 horsepower, Dodge Challenger Hellcat Red Eye, with up to 797 horsepower and 707 pound-feet of torque, and the powerful seven-passenger Dodge Durango. Hurry in for great deals now at Dodge Performance Days. Ward's large regular car vehicle segment. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.
Televisions, we love them. We love them. Jeff Morrison from the Wirecutter, CNET, and the New York Times loves them. We are talking TVs. We are talking HDR, HDMI, LED, LCD. It is acronym soup when it comes to televisions. So, Jeff, we were talking, of course, about uh, HDR. And I just mentioned HDMI. What is the minimum HDMI thing I should be thinking about these days? The HDMI version, I should say. I bet that as far as people who write about technology in the world, I've probably written more about HDMI than anybody. Really? Um, one of my most famous articles and most trafficked articles I wrote it was my first thing for CNET seven, six years ago, that all HDMI cables are the same, which was a bit of a hyperbole. They're, they're not really, but it, that's the point. you got to read the article to find that out. Um, but I've lost track of what what number we're up to. But it's technically 2.1, but you're not really going to find that on most products, nor do you necessarily need it. You're going to get some version of 2, 2.0 something. And... If it's a new product, you're probably fine. You're probably fine. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that's, uh, the, and that's, that's what's that's, the bottom line. Yeah. You're not going to have to worry about that too much. And as far as the cables go, if, I mean, if your, cable, if your HDMI cables are from your last television, uh, yeah, it's probably worth upgrading them. Um, but there's not, you don't need to spend a lot of money on that. I mean, a, new HDMI cables that will work with everything are a few dollars, you know, maybe a, a dollar a foot. Max and uh, we have we have picks on the wire cutter. Um, I've written about it for CNET a bunch too. And you know Amazon cables are good. Monoprice cables are good. Don't spend more than ten dollars for you know a six foot HDMI cable because there's no need. You know you can get these things with free shipping and yeah. If you're buying at a brick and mortar retailer, you know they're not making any money on that TV, and that's often the kind of upsell. Hey, do you need some cables? And you're right. looking at thirty bucks in cables. Or, or more. And that is where they're making their money these days. Certainly not on that television set. Yeah, and, and that has been a, a sales tactic for for as long as HDMI cables, as long as cables have existed, honestly. Right. Um, and and those were always of much higher markup. I mean, you could, you know, if it's a $30 HDMI cable, the store is probably making $29 on that sale. And the television, that $600,000 television, they might be making $29 on that. Right. So it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. And, and fortunately, and I'll take some credit for this, the lying has decreased significantly. So when HDMI first started becoming a thing, there was significant... Uh, amount of marketing that was, oh, our cables make your picture look better and your sound look better, which was all lies. That's not how HDMI works. It either works or it doesn't. It's it's not going to create a more colorful picture or a brighter picture or anything like that. But companies would say that. And that has changed. That that you don't see as much anymore. And whether if salespeople are saying it, that's that's uh, that's their choice, I guess. That's an interesting choice, um, but it's it's just not true. Um, as long as it works with you know the latest specs, which it would um, with any of the the name brand of these cables, um, you don't need to spend more for that. So, like if it's a fifty dollar cable that's gold plated and silver lined and lacks oxygen and, and is made of you know puppy fur. Great. That's if you want to spend your money on that, but it's not going to make your picture look better than a seven dollar cable from from Amazon or wire or monoprice or whatever. So um, it's it's a it's it's getting better, but uh, yeah, people still are, you know will email me like, oh, I, I think they told me I needed this fifty dollar cable. I'm like, well, no, you you didn't, but sorry, right? <laughs> sorry, right. you were told that. Well, and let's you know while we're talking about TVs too, let's 
at least we got it. We have to talk about audio. And, and again, in the first segment before you came on, Jeff, I, I kind of mentioned a little bit about old TVs and how that was just not an issue. Um, you absolutely need some sort of external sound device these days to, and again, I, it blows me away. I go to people's houses and they'll have a lovely large 65 inch TV and they're using the internal speakers on it and it sounds terrible. And again, nobody seems to notice except when it's set up right. And then when you notice the sound, it sounds fantastic, but everybody has to be using something besides the speakers and the TV. Do they not? Well, I think people do notice. They just don't realize that they notice. So a lo- I'll get a lot of emails that are like, oh, I'm getting older and I can't understand the dialogue. Or I can't understand when people are talking when I watch my favorite shows. And then it's always somewhere in there like on my new TV. And I almost feel like, hey, it's, it's not. I mean, maybe you are getting older and maybe you shouldn't have gone to all of those Iron Maiden concerts. But uh, no, no, YOLO. You should have gone. You should have gone. But you should have worn earplugs. But Absolutely. hey, you know, you can't go back in time. So um, so it's maybe it isn't. Uh, the person's ears necessarily, um, it's more likely it's just the, the bad speakers in a television. So the speakers and audio in TVs is, is kind of collateral damage. So the as TVs got thinner and thinner and the, the parts that make them get less and less expensive, um, the, the speakers in these t- in TVs are significantly smaller. And it's and you can make a TV as bright as you want, but the f- there's still you, you 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 have you can't get around physics. So small speakers are not going to be able to create the sound that bigger speakers can. That's just, right. just no way around that. So and especially seeing as these speakers are facing down or back, um, so they're they're not even facing you, which is bad. So yes, so if you have trouble difficulty. Listen, you know, hearing what people are saying, or the sound just seems overall kind of weak. Um, it is, and it's terrible on all TVs. So yes, a soundbar, even an inexpensive soundbar, a few hundred dollar soundbar, is going to dramatically improve the sound. And then if you want to go the whole the whole hog on it, you could get a receiver and you know five speakers and a subwoofer and so forth. But uh, but even just going a few hundred dollars on a soundbar is going to do wonders for your overall enjoyment for your for your tv well and i and i always say if you're limited by constrained by a budget get a lesser expensive tv but get a nice soundboard get a nice sound because the key to a great watching experience is the great sound and it's funny because all streaming networks all all anyone who's into uh or produces television will tell you it's like you could make the the image do all sorts of bad things and people will still watch it but if you mess with the audio even a little bit if it cuts out or if it sounds wonky everyone's out it goes wrong very very rapidly people notice that much faster than issues with with the video absolutely and on that note we're gonna take a quick break you're listening to pop tech radio coming right back Have you ever tried to plan a vacation and the hotel costs, airfare, and pet sitter all add up to one big never mind? Well, it's time to embrace the adventure and go RVing instead. GoRVing.com is your one-stop shop for all things RV camping. Browse the different types of RVs, find a rental agent or dealer near you, and compare the costs. Explore more than 16,000 RV parks and campgrounds nationwide, and even plan your menus for the trip. Find out what you've been missing at GoRVing.com. That's GoRVing.com.
Coming back at you, Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchart, Jeffrey Morrison, writer for The Wirecutter, for The New York Times, and for CNET. And we are talking TVs. The Wirecutter just, I think a day or two ago, updated their picks for televisions. And Jeff, you know, let's talk about the companies first. It's really, as it has been for about the last two, maybe if not three years, it's kind of between Vizio and TCL, isn't it? Two companies that... Well, they're not terribly new, but they're certainly not the historical consumer electronic powerhouses, the Sonys, the Panasonics, et cetera. It's not those guys anymore, is it? No, and that, that's certainly a shift. I mean, they, for like you said, for a long time, you know, 80s, 90s, you had Sony and then kind of everyone else, but that everyone else included mostly Japanese brands. And then there was a shift in the 2000s um, away from the Japanese brands to more of the Korean brands, JBase, LG, and Samsung. And these days, those two brands are still kind of make the best overall looking TVs for the most part. I mean, LG makes these OLED televisions that are basically the best looking TVs you can buy um, for the most part. And and th- those are still a wire cutter pick for, you know, if you want to spend a little bit more because it's they're more expensive, but they're gorgeous televisions. Um, but then there's been this shift in the last eight years or so for brands that are based in or only get their supply from China. So TCL is based in China, Vizio is based in the US, but they get all their, everything's made in China. Um, And for a long time, they were just these budget brands. They were just making the cheapest possible television. And and every year they would get better and better and better, but the price would stay down. And it got to the point where in that segment, the big companies just can't compete. They can't make a TV that looks that good for that low of a price just because they have too much overhead for their you know, their huge sizes. And so, yeah, so it's been bouncing back and forth between TCL and Vizio. And and uh, right now, the overall pick, uh, Chris Heinen wrote the article, and he's done a fantastic job for Wirecutter for a long time. And and he gets these, you know, he reviews every TV, basically, in this segment. Um, his house probably has dozens of TVs at any given time. <laughs> and uh, and I, I did that for a while, too. And, and I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm glad I don't anymore but um but yeah the overall pick is a is a vizio that has um fantastic picture quality and it's 700 bucks and that's amazing so 700 dollars for crying out loud i mean yeah. that is so unbelievable and again th- this is this has kind of been a tv pick uh going back to 2016 i believe and then if you really want to go budget their budget pick was the tcl and this is a 55 inch tv by the way a 55 inch tv it's going for anywhere between the low fives to the low sixes, depending on where you buy it. Oh, uh, even less. Amazon has it for four hundred bucks. Oh my goodness, you're kidding. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We occasionally dip into sounding like old men on this show, but yes, we do. um but my career started with the beginning of flat screen TVs. I mean, I was working at Circuit City when the first plasma kit came out. And then as as uh, you know, shortly about a year later, um I started working for Home Theater Magazine and and so I started with these TVs. And at that point, um, a 50-inch plasma, pretty much all they were, these were six, seven thousand, eight thousand dollars, right. you know, minimum, and and if not more. And and I mean that first plasma, we've talked about that in the show before. It's a 42-inch standard definition um, screen, and it was 15 grand, and it looked terrible, by the way. It was a you know, but it, it was flat-ish, and that's that we knew that that was going to be the future. And so anyway, so the, so the fact that you could get a 55-inch TV that looks better than a TV from 10 years ago by a lot, um, even plasma. And I love plasma, but plasma next to one of these things is going to look super dim, and 
in a lot of cases, very low resolution. And with HDR, it might the contrast ratio might not even be comparable, depending on the plasma. Uh, right. Which uh, I, I should caveat that by saying, if you have a TV and you like it, don't get a new TV. Please. Oh, interesting. Okay. Wait until it dies. Um, right. Spend yes. your money on literally anything else. So, Jeff, I got to say, you know, we're talking inexpensive TVs and, and you know, I know TCL has TVs, uh, well, maybe Vizio does as well, that are, you know, you're, you're talking in the $300 range. Are we sacrificing reliability? I mean, you know, it's, it's so stunningly inexpensive. How do they do that? And, you know, are, are they going to last like a, a $1,500 TV? Yeah, I mean, there's there's actually kind of a, a number of ways of a number of reasons why they're so expensive, so inexpensive, and part of that, of course, is just Chinese manufacturing is ten, ten, tends to be cheaper than other places. The TVs in their in the way that they are made tend to be harder to repair, but that's kind of all TVs. That's not necessarily just the cheapest ones. Um, so, you know, there flat panel TVs in general, LCD TVs, even OLED, they are generally very reliable so that the repair rates on these is significantly less than crt tvs from from the old days and i'm sure everyone has a memory of like oh i had a crt tv that lasted me 20 years but but then a lot of times those didn't last for 20 years you just might might remember the one that did and so so you know these all generally it's going to be a few percentage points of these tvs that aren't going to last too long but that's kind of you know they're also inexpensive so i mean I don't think it's necessarily worth spending $300 on an extended warranty on a $400 TV. But but the other aspect of this that is uh, probably worth a whole show on itself is the reason – one of the big reasons why TVs are so inexpensive is because all of these companies are um, – I want to say all. I guess I could get into trouble saying that. But the companies typically are selling what you're watching, uh, that data of what you're watching to – advertisers so that you can get more targeted ads and that um is is decreasing the price of the television essentially your your viewing history to an extent not not anything specific and not specific to you um but a generalized viewing data sure. to your area is subsidizing the cost of of a television um and that sounds creepy and it is um but kind of everything does it if you're if something's connected to the internet it is almost certainly um, sending some sort of, um, you know, randomized, but still your viewing history. Um, so yeah, there's not, there's not a file somewhere that has your name and what you've watched sure, on no, it, perfect. but there is a file with a number, um, that says, Oh, and the person in this general area is watching these general shows so that someone who sells TVs in that area or whatever can kind of target ads for that, um, you know, or whatever they want to, uh, sell to you and they're like oh okay that person watches this show they're probably into vampire stuff i'm going to advertise vampire stuff to that that general area yeah so, Subsidi yeah. subsidized tvs all right on that note we got to take a quick commercial break we're talking tvs with jeff morrison and we're coming right back Kia Soul, what started as an icon, has evolved into a whole new species. The Soul X-Line specializes in adventure with a nasty case of restless car syndrome. The high-minded Soul EX is dressed up and kitted out with more tech than we can mention here. And the Soul GT Line Turbo is a true apex predator with a turbocharged drive to defy. The new species of Soul, the 2020 Soul. Give it everything. 
Hey, welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. I am Mike Etchart. Jeffrey Morrison, my good friend from The Wirecutter and CNET and The New York Times, is talking TVs. Of course, The Wirecutter's pick, the best LCD slash LED TV, is the Vizio P-Series F1, which, shockingly, you can get for very little money, anywhere between 450 and 750 I guess, depending on where you get it. Their value pick TCL is... Around 5:30, probably less some places, and then uh, and we're talking again 55, 65 inch TVs, and their upgrade pick is another Vizio. Uh, you know, Jeff, will we ever see the return of the Japanese companies or maybe even the Korean companies when we're talking about these best stuff? You mentioned that that some of the Korean TVs on the top end are still very well regarded and excellent TVs, but is it pretty much just you know at this level at at this kind of what is now the sweet spot which is somewhere between five and seven hundred dollars let's say this is just the domain of the chinese companies pretty much and a lot of these companies a lot of the japanese companies and even the korean companies they've kind of conceded that part of the market to these brands that they don't even make tvs in that price range or at least not as intensely as they used to. LG makes OLED TVs, and OLED TVs are, are definitely the best picture quality you can get, but they're twice as much money, if not more. Um, but they're not even going to try to make those things for 500 bucks. You know, they, they can't at the moment, probably. Uh, but there's also kind of no motivation because if you put them next to each other and you're like, there's no way that you could make a TV in that technology for that kind of money, um, or at least by the time you could... LCDs would be even cheaper than they are now. So yes, it's kind of unlikely that certainly Japanese companies, although at this point it's kind of just Sony in the U.S. market. Um, Panasonic doesn't even do TVs really in the U.S. anymore. And I did read a thing that uh, Sharp might be coming back to the U.S. market with TVs, but we'll see what happens there. Interesting. It's still under the Sharp company. Somebody hasn't acquired that name. They did acquire that name. I can't remember the name. It was a Chinese company that kind of came up with that name. But I read a, an article a couple of weeks ago about how Sharp was kind of negotiating to get the name back so that they could kind of re-enter the market. But we'll see if anything actually happens with that. But yeah, I mean, for the time being, it's going to be the, the Chinese companies. And the, as as we've now discovered in the last few years, um, it's not just that they make cheap TVs, but they've also started making really fantastic performing televisions that also happen to be very inexpensive. So it's a it's a whole kind of a, a different world than it was even five six years ago to be a consumer it's fantastic oh absolutely yeah it is uh, it is unbelievable how expensive they are and, and when you re- factor in how much they used to cost and even you know when you kind of calculate out to what that would be in today's dollars it is stunning and the and again we're talking uh, you know 50 inch uh, is 50 inch now kind of the the medium kind of sweet sm- sm- medium to small size maybe or or yeah, it depends on kind of how you want to narrow the the, the description down. But I mean, the, the the sizes obviously are going up, not as quickly as I think some people thought. I mean, I, I remember writing an article, um, you know, maybe five six years ago about how sixty five inch TVs aren't going to be the norm, and people thought I was insane because like, oh no, but I have a big TV. I'm like, well, just because you have a big TV doesn't mean everyone wants a big TV. Right. Uh, but I think the you know fifty fifty inch TV, which was a fairly average size, I think now that's more of a fifty five inch. People kind of that's inching up a little. More more yeah. but the higher the really big tvs and this, this p series you're talking about from vizio is um they do a 77 inch that part of the market is growing very very quickly i, I don't think we're going to see 77 inch televisions as the norm um because people just don't want that kind of 
negative space in there, you know, because it is just a black screen and when it's off. Um, but um, you know, we'll have some other technology that does wall screens and stuff. I mean, I, I, I was saying this. I have a hundred inch screen in my 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 house. It's a but it's a projector, so it's a whole different different sure, different thing. Yeah. Um, but but that said, I mean, I think I think fifty five, sixty five. I mean, these are pretty common sizes now. Yeah, exactly. Well, here we are. And on that note, Jeff, thanks for joining us on the show. Always great to have you on. My pleasure. It's always fun. And thanks for listening, folks. Don't forget, we, if you want to go back and revisit some of the older episodes, we are podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are likely there, including Apple iTunes, which just happens to be where I get mine. And uh, also big thanks to Radio America. They are our radio syndicate. They carry us to all the great stations across the country that do carry us. Big thanks to them as well. And, of course, this is Memorial Day weekend. So uh, big thanks to all those veterans who, who served and, of course, to those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for this country. And uh, hopefully you are, are observing that this weekend. It's, uh, it's a nice three-day weekend. So thanks again for listening, everyone, for Popular Technology Radio. I am Mike Etchart. We certainly appreciate you hanging out with us and talking tech. If you're in the mood this holiday weekend to go out and get on TV, make sure you go to thewirecutter.com and check out their recommendations, which we were just talking about. So for Pop Tech Radio, thanks for listening. We will see you next time. The big news from Subaru is the all-new three-row Ascent. It's the biggest SUV from Subaru ever. There's room for seven or eight passengers with a choice of second-row captain's chairs or bench seating. It'll tow up to 5,000 pounds. It has the interior space you need for your whole crew. And it gets you where you want to go with the safety of a Subaru, including standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. The all-new three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. Maximum towing capacity varies by trim level, and trailer brakes may be required. See your retailer for details.